This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Peacher, president of SLC Management. And this is our next episode of 3 and 5. And today I'm joined by Sam Tillinghast, who's a senior managing director at SLC and runs our private fixed income team, which is uh, one of our biggest teams, both at Sun Life and, and third-party clients. And so I want to talk to Sam today about the investment grade private credit market. So Sam, thanks for taking a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. So we've obviously heard a lot about how the pandemic has impacted the stock markets, the public bond markets. What about the investment grade private credit markets? How have they changed as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, sure, Steve. Uh, In many ways, the the market behavior this year is a direct reflection of what happened last year. Uh, One of the market dynamics that we saw in 2020 was that many investors missed out on very attractive deals. And much of this missed opportunity was due to portfolio monitoring and dealing with amendments and covenant breaches. Other investors were too conservative to invest in the face of uncertainty about the economy. This year, those investors are trying to make up for that missed volume, especially in the syndicated private placement market. Another market dynamic that we've seen is that new investors have been attracted to the market due to historically wide spreads to publics last year. And as bond spreads tightened dramatically during the second half of 2020, spreads for privates remained at much higher levels. Uh, for much of the year. And some of this, some new capital has come into the market in form of uh, third-party capital that uh, larger insurance companies and asset managers like ourselves have raised. Uh, for example, we've seen pension plans, OCIO providers, PNC insurers who've discovered investment grade private credits, higher yields, and the lower losses that we get due to covenants and collateral. And all this has resulted in higher demand for deals, which has brought challenges, especially for smaller lenders. This demand has led to very large bid sizes and syndicated deals, and that's made it difficult for smaller lenders to get their fill and hit their investing targets. And all this has led to talk about the haves and have-nots in investment-grade privates. Uh, larger investors like ourselves are doing direct deals, club deals, and really kind of dominating allocations of syndicated transactions. And we're actually having uh, what looks like it could be a potential record year in terms of volume. Your group does a lot of different types of transactions. You lend against infrastructure projects. You lend to middle market companies. One of the things you've done over the years is you've lent against portfolios managed by alternative asset managers. And that's been a, a great place to have lent money over the years with great collateral protection. And, and that, that market's evolving so that you're now seeing alternative asset managers themselves as an area where there's investing opportunities from a debt standpoint. How has issuance in, the, in your market, in the private placement market for alternative asset managers changed? Yeah, that's a good question, Steve. It's really changed in two ways. The types of deals have changed and the, the volume in both dollars and number of deals has significantly increased. We, we used to mainly see lending opportunities in this sector for credit funds or investment deals like BDCs or separately managed accounts. Now we're seeing notes being issued by the alternative asset managers themselves at the management company level. These asset managers are discovering that the investment grade private credit market can provide long-term patient capital, if efficient execution, and also confidentiality. Uh, from a credit standpoint, these asset managers are well-established firms. They've got strong management teams, good governance with leadership transition plans. They also have tens of billions of assets under management consisting of diversified funds. Uh, these funds produce significant and stable, predictable cash flows in the form of management fees. The use of proceeds from these private lending transactions tends to be to provide additional capital for the asset managers to meet co-investments required by limited partners in their newly raised funds. And, and over time, as these firms are growing, the amounts of capital required has increased as larger and larger funds are raised. According to the, the private placement monitor, financials were 21% of private placement market issuance in 2018, uh, but that has grown to 35% in, in 2020 and 40% year-to-date in 2021. Those numbers do include other types of finance companies, including REITs, 
uh, but almost all the growth has come from alternative asset managers. And the growth is, interestingly, it's even impacted the league tables in the private placement market for banks that serve as placement agents. An uh, investment bank that had been focused on this uh, sector uh, recently pushed out a commercial bank that held the number one position for decades. The bank that formerly held the number one spot historically focused on more traditional issuers like industrials, utilities, and REITs. And the bank that's taken over the number one spot in the league tables specializes more in unusual deals. And many of their deals are uh, either lending to funds or to alternative asset managers. When people think about private placements, they tend to think about long duration deals, 30-year deals. And certainly there's a lot of, there are a lot of those in the marketplace and that is an area of focus, but your team really invests across the curve. So can you talk about the types of opportunities you see at different duration points in the market? Sure. There are definitely different types of deals for different duration needs. Most investors in the market do focus on the long end. Uh, many of the traditional corporate transactions, including industrials and utilities, are long duration deals. Uh, we probably see the most competition in those sectors, uh, and we rarely, rarely see attractive relative value there. We see better value in uh, project finance and infrastructure opportunities, credit tenant leases and ground leases, and alternative asset managers in the long end. However, there's actually less competition at the shorter and intermediate end of the spectrum, and therefore we see more relative value at the shorter end. Deals at the shorter end include private ABS, uh, which we directly originate. Uh, fund finance opportunities, some corporate private placements, and some project finance and infrastructure debt, uh, particularly where there's an infrastructure fund that's acquiring existing assets. All right. Well, thanks for those comments on private placements. I want to end with, with a personal question. I know your daughter's getting married early next year. So how's the wedding plan going? And more importantly, as the father of the bride, is anyone listening to anything that you have to say? Uh, definitely, definitely they're not. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have that many responsibilities. I, uh, I, I do have one, uh, and that's the, the, the father-daughter dance. That's the one I've got on my mind the most. Uh, the last time I danced was probably at the father-daughter dance uh, when she was in the fourth grade. <laughs> uh, so I'm actually flying to Texas tomorrow to be with my daughter. We're going to take some uh, some dance lessons. She wants to have a very choreographed dance. And uh, and then the next day, we're going camping together, uh, something we haven't done since she was a little girl. So it should be a nice long weekend. Oh, that's well, that's great. Well, yeah, don't, you're in the spot. That's the one spotlight you can't get wrong. So, uh, you know, get those dancing shoes on. And thanks for taking a few moments uh, with us, Sam. And thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of 3 and 5. Thanks, Steve.